0: Okay, hello there, everyone, and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus AA Community Radio. I'm your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and joining me today is...
1: Tim Phillips.
0: And Tim, uh, this past weekend, I saw something so horrible uh, about a bunch of people who were somewhere that they shouldn't be, and boy, did, did... did I question every moral fiber of my being? But enough about Madame Webb, am I right? Oh! yeah. No. Snap. I was trying to make a person of interest reference. Not a person of interest, a zone of interest reference.
1: Zone of interest.
0: Because, uh, I mean, <laughs> where, where would you rather be? Outside Auschwitz or uh, in the Amazon with a superhero serial killer who killed your mom? I don't know. Uh, that's yeah. That's bizarre. Wow, That'd kind be of a weird note. double bill. Oh, that would be a weird double bill. Yeah, it's just uh, considering um, just how lackadaisic Dakota Johnson's been promoting that Madam Web the last couple of weeks. It's just uh, water off a duck's back being in what may be one of the biggest bombs of the year. But uh, hey, good for her.
1: It might It might go well after the Zone of Interest, because I know after watching the Zone of Interest, I was in a bit of a trance. <laughs> and. I didn't really know what was going on like i it it was really good but i just felt like really drained and in a trance Mm. and that's probably how you should be to watch like madame webb i imagine like if you go in there without any sort of intellect or like any sort of preconceptions (laughs) or anything just really raw yeah it might be it might be a good movie at that point
0: hey it's i mean you, you never know. The way these things go, it could be a cult classic in five years, but I, I digress. Uh, End Credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We're here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies, which this week will be the new Oscar-nominated biopic Maestro, which is as far as you can get from those other two movies. Um, but you can stream it now on Netflix. You don't even have to go to the theater to see it. You can just watch it at home on Netflix. Um, before that, though, we're going to have a little birthday party so to speak um this past weekend it was the 40th anniversary of the release of footloose um the 1984 movie starring kevin bacon about the town that forgot to dance well not so much forgot to dance but uh, the town that outlawed dancing because of a an unfortunate accident um you know, we talk about Maestro nominated for Academy Awards. Uh, Footloose nominated for two Academy Awards, both for Best Song, of course. Uh, the Title Song by Kenny Lockins. And Let's Hear It for the Boy by uh, Denise Williams. Um, do you know who they lost to, Tim? In
1: 1984, In was 1984. it uh, Purple Rain?
0: It was not Purple Rain, actually. It should have been Purple Rain. It should have been Purple Rain. It was not Purple Rain. This this one's kind of like there are a lot of like kind of weird, odd entities who win like best song in the eighties and in nineteen eighty four it was I Just Called to Say I Love You from The oh. Woman in Red.
1: Okay, Stevie Wonder.
0: Stevie Wonder. Yep. Nice. Um also also nominated this year was Against All Odds by Phil Collins, which is from a movie called Against All Odds um which i actually didn't know i didn't know that was a movie i know the song i didn't know the movie and uh of course ghostbusters by ray parker junior from ghostbusters it's a
1: great song i Just, sang that I karaoke know. once
0: oh wow I,
1: I, I can't sing i was with a bunch of people they're from south korea and they're really into um really into karaoke mm-hmm. so they're taking it all seriously they, like, mm-hmm. rented a room and everything. <laughs> and they're like, Tim, you should sing. And I'm like, I can't sing. And then I started singing uh, Ghostbusters. <laughs> and I <laughs> thought they would laugh because it's funny, right? Like, I am i can't sing. Who are this, you going to th- call? This,
0: this story is a real treat, by the way, for the yeah. listeners.
1: Yeah, <laughs> who, who are you going to call? And they were just, like, looking at me, like, just, I think, with fear and anger in their eyes, basically. <laughs> and they are just mm. like, what are you doing?
0: Mm-hmm. And...
1: um. Yeah, that night kind of sucked after that. Uh, but
0: that's, yeah, I was good. I was good. I was on the cusp of suggesting an encore at the, uh, the anniversary of Golden Throats in a couple of weeks, but maybe not. Um, I could, I could do that. (laughs) Also, in terms of footloose trivia, um, both Tom Cruise and Rob Lowe were up for the part of Ren, which was the, the role Kevin Bacon got. Kevin, um, Kevin Bacon, of course, plays it. Tom Cruise uh, opted to go for All the Right Moves instead, which was another movie about uh, high school athletes stuck in a small town trying to get out. Uh, Rob Lowe injured himself, so he took himself out of the race, uh, the proverbial race. Um, Mm -hmm. In another universe, Tom Cruise might have been in Flat, it might have been in Footloose, I almost had Flashdance, but Footloose. And yeah. Kevin Bacon almost might have been the star of Christine, but Kevin Bacon decided to uh turn down Christine and so that he could appear or it's, I I guess even just a audition for Footloose. So yeah. think about that universe for a minute. Tom Cruise and Footloose, Kevin Bacon and Christine.
1: Yeah. Well, like Tom Cruise, risky business. Like I'm, mm-hmm. like that's a little bit before my time, and I, I knew that was like an, the iconic scene where he dances in his underwear mm-hmm. to the Bob Seeger and um, but that didn't make him a like a s- over the top superstar yet. He was famous, but I think it wasn't mm-hmm. until Top Gun that he was just uber famous. Mm-hmm. So he did all the right moves, which isn't. It's a good movie. It's not. Mm-hmm amazing it's just this little like no. a fo- football movie right small town yeah. steel yeah. mill it's town Friday mill. Night Lights yeah 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 <laughs> so he probably would have better served him to be in Footloose but he back then he wasn't getting every script which I'm sure he was after Top Gun so uh for sure yeah, yeah. no
0: he was he was still in the building phase um, director Herbert Ross uh, was—he was an actor. He was a choreographer. He was a director and a producer. Uh, worked on Broadway and in film. Uh, in his filmography, like this is a this is—I mean, a lot of directors used to have like kind of wild filmographies like this. His first film as a director was Goodbye, Mr. Chips in 1969. Um, yeah, that's uh, based on the play. Uh, he then did he did a couple of films but then his next big one is played against sam in 72 that was starring woody allen uh the next okay. year he did the last of sheila which is like this murder mystery um <laughs> screenplay by anthony perkins and steven sodheim
1: um <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah
0: yeah that's i would i'd would cough too um
1: <laughs> <laughs> i had to clear my throat for that one wow
0: yeah last of shield was uh one of the primary inspirations for ryan johnson making uh, glass onion by the way um okay yeah and then he does sunshine boys with walter Matthau, and he does funny lady with barbara streisand in the same year um and then in 76 he does seven percent solution which is a a sherlock holmes movie with uh nicole williamson as holmes uh does the goodbye girl in seventy seven,
1: with Dreyfus, Richard Dreyfus, yeah, that's
0: right. Um, and then he, California Suite, which is an anthology film, and Ajinsky, uh, which is about uh, I think uh, I think he was a, uh, I don't know, Pennies from Heaven. Uh, I ought to be in pictures. Max Dugan returns. I haven't even seen Max Dugan one, but it's apparently a Neil Simon. Joined, okay. and then we get Footloose in 84 so this yeah. is um, and then you know that's I'm not going to say that's the end of his career but he has he had about 10 years like he stayed busy till all the way to 95 his last film was Boys on the Side which is a road trip movie with Whoopi Goldberg Drew Barrymore and Mary Louise Parker so
1: right I've got some director trivia though because ba- yeah. Um, yeah. Ross directed mm-hmm. it but mm-hmm. the person who was fired before he directed it was Michael Chimino. Oh yeah. Michael Cimino, director of The Deer Hunter. That's right. Um, was signed up to work on this film. It was gonna be his f- first film after Heaven's Gate. Mm-hmm. The the film that he went extravagantly over budget on and bankrupted <laughs> <Yes>. United Artists. <laughs> and ended yes. ended New Hollywood as yep. we know it. Yep. Um all yep. those great Films. They weren't getting they, these auteur directors were not getting the budgets anymore. Like Francis Ford Coppola, for instance, who I think he's working on mm-hmm. a multi million, multi hundred million dollar opus right now because he's still mm-hmm. want he wanted to do that, but he couldn't do it anymore. They wouldn't give him the money anymore. So Megalopolis, af, yeah. After uh, Michael Chimino. and so the funny thing is, he worked on this film after Heaven's Gate mm-hmm. for about a month. Yeah and he was fired for his extravagant demands mm-hmm. and including an additional $250,000 that he wanted so he was for, way for over months. budget on footloose after a month um <sighs> so the guy who bankrupted united artists with uh heaven's gate he this little dance movie he wanted it to be multi million dollar <laughs> project as well so
0: that's amazing because this is like seven and a half million dollar budget uh made 80 million dollars domestically so this was like this was money in the bank so um anyway um that that gives sort of like a level of detail about what was going on around the production of this (laughs) thing but let's talk about the movie itself um i'm actually surprised revisiting it and it's easy enough to it's also on netflix if anyone wants to go back and watch it i was kind of okay. surprised by a couple of things uh number one is uh feels like it could have been made today um with the yeah. the undercurrent of sort of i guess evangelicalism and you know there's literally a scene where people are burning books um kind of in a fervor about ungodly behavior and Satan getting at you through dancing. um also, the other thing, like the four main characters, um you get ren, the the, the Kevin Bacon characters in from Chicago, uh, new kid in small town, Ariel, who's uh his love interest, um her brother died in the incident that resulted in dancing being banned. Uh, her father uh the the Reverend Moore, um who's kind of the, the community leader, um kind of has outside power outsized power for a small town Reverend, but I digress. Uh, he's mm-hmm. played by John Lithgow, and then you have uh Mrs. Moore, um his wife played by Diane Weist, who's Ariel's mother, and um it's it's very archetypal sort of where this how this all stands, but it's also not played very simply like i there's something like really understandable and really appealing about all the characters like there's no heroes no villains um mm-hmm. and and there's kind of like no confrontation it's 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 very kind of well there's like literal, there's a couple of literal fights but um yeah. <laughs> but in terms of like between the main characters this is like people trying to figure out trying to figure each other out um, sometimes through dance, but sometimes just through talking. And um, I, I've, I, I find that very interesting, just how kind of sort of like low-key, how very humanistic this is. Like even the high school scene where like Ren goes to high school and he meets Chris Penn and they're in the cafeteria. Like if, I haven't seen the the Footloose remake. Um, Neither have I, no. Okay, good. Well, maybe good, but I, I'm not sure if this scene is in it, but like in almost every high school movie now, uh you get that scene where the new kid is in the cafeteria for the first time with their new friend, and the new friend like lays out the scene. It's like, here's this click, here's this click, don't look this person in the eye, and and all this yeah. other thing. And and there that wasn't in this movie, which I found very, very refreshing <laughs> 40 years later. It's like it's just yeah. two guys going to have lunch. It's not there, there's no Rosetta stone to understand the like, nobody's explaining high school to us. We we, we know what high school is.
1: <laughs> yeah, we know that there's there's clicks in this, too. But, you know, yeah, sure. it's, not, it's not as obvious or, you know, the stereotypes aren't as present in it. And I think the casting, like you're saying, everyone, you know... Have conversations and they listen to each other and stuff. But I think that that level of acting has to do with it was great casting for this too. For you sure. know, for sure, with John Lithgow being the uh, the reverend, uh, you know, or you know, he's the religious, you know, antagonist of the film. Uh, mm. Kevin Bacon is great. He's very, very photogenic. Very, he comes across as your like average teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, very charismatic. And Laurie Singer as his love interest is very charismatic as well. Chris Penn, who went on to a lot of interesting roles. We think of him in Reservoir Dogs, for instance, later on.
0: <laughs> a lot of tough guys, a lot of heavies. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's really good as sort of the guy who befriends the ren character played by Kevin Bacon, but you sort of like a, a, tough guy as well. Not, not afraid to get into a fight and in, mm. in this small town. Uh, so I think, the casting really makes it a timeless picture as well as the, so you're selecting actors for the casting and then the, the music too. Yes. Um, and the music, I guess was released before the film was released. So mm-hmm. it had time to build up and go on the charts. And in That's 1984, what, yeah. like we, I mentioned purple rain, you had Prince, you had Madonna, you had mm-hmm. Bruce Springsteen, all these big artists. Mm-hmm. And, Actually, I think the Footloose album overtook Thriller. Uh, Thriller was number one mm-hmm. album for 10 weeks, and then Footloose was number one. And I always knew Footloose, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> you know, obviously was written for the movie Footloose, right? Mm-hmm. But the the other ones, um, Let's Hear It For The Boy, I always thought that was just a song that they put in the soundtrack, but yeah, that was actually written for the film, and I think it uh, it makes it universal uh, people love to dance they love music and I think even more so now so when mm-hmm. you're saying this film could be released now you think we've had decades with like glee and high school musical and musical theater is really yeah. big there's a lot of documentaries about musical theater yeah um, I think I think this, yeah, if it was released today would do really well. And I guess there was that remake not too long ago, 10, maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, But I could see it. I think it, um, it is universal, but what you don't get with a remake is you don't get Kevin Bacon. You don't get John Lithgow, you don't get Sarah Jessica Parker in a supporting role you know Sarah
0: Jessica Parker as the best friend as as Lori Singer's best friend uh like <laughs> I, yeah. I remember her being in it but I was like oh she's the best friend that's so kind of weird when you think about where Sarah Jessica Parker goes in her career um
1: yeah that she became you mentioned like, Diane Weest too yeah. like she's so uh. good yeah
0: yeah no it's like the casting is, is definitely a big part of this and uh, I think I think there's just a relatability to it and there's a kind of timelessness as well and i was i I knew it took place in the 80s of course but you know just watching it i mean if you like forget the idea like there's a boombox right there and um it, it's very like there's very clearly cues that it's taking place in what was then like the modern day probably like 84 when it was filmed um it it has this kind of like fifties vibe to it. it. Is like there's that scene at the beginning where they go in, uh, all the 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 kids in town go to the drive-in, um, yeah, and just sort of like hang out, which is like a very kind of like American graffiti thing, um, yeah. <laughs> and of course, like the whole yeah. idea of like you know religiosity and you know the pervasiveness yeah. of of the rock and roll culture and gateway to the devil, very seems very nineteen yeah. fifties as well.
1: So I, I guess I maybe a lot of these. Can... Oh, so, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, you go ahead. Well, I think a lot of these communities are stuck in the past, right? So this, sure, yeah. The the, the premise for this was based on the screenwriter, who is also a songwriter, mm-hmm. based the screenplay on a real incident that happened in Elmore City, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. in 1980.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But you know, those like rural communities, because they're so, you know, e- evangelical, um, isolated, so st- yeah, isolated. So they're still. Still no, acting in a lot of ways like it is the 50s, or what we perceive as the 50s, right?
0: Right. And,
1: <laughs> and
0: yeah, yeah, like, they're like, there's that scene where, like, Ren's kind of like taken aback by all this. And then, you know, Chris Penn, oh, what's the Chris Penn's character name? Uh, Willard. Willard says to him, You know, we still have TV. We still have family feud. <laughs> <laughs>
1: such yeah, a so odd he, thing
0: to say. But yeah, no, he's, tr- yeah. he's tr- right, though. But
1: <laughs> yeah, and I guess the real incident, they banned dancing because they thought that promoted heavy drinking and sex and oh and that was in 1980 and there had to be um a vote on it and there was Mm -hmm. this reverend who was really influential in trying to stop it from happening Mm -hmm. um they wanted to get a prom uh and he was instrumental in stopping it from happening and then finally they had a vote and it was two to two Mm -hmm. and then the school board president came in and with the deciding vote and he just said let them dance so yeah (laughs) they got to they got to have their prom in like 1980 but yeah yeah uh so you know really sort of true to life with this this film Which you think sort of like this outrageous premise you know maybe they blended all these plot ideas into a blender and this is what came out but it it is i mean is it outrageous you
0: know there's there's book burning in this. There's book burning in yeah. real life. Even you know, forty years later, we're we're still burning books. And I think what the the difference it makes is you have Lithgow, who can really get up there and sort of like tear it up and tear up the sermon and talk about not sex promiscuity. I guess like calling it promiscuity makes it sound like even more diabolical, but because um, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't sound so it's not, not as direct as like the using the word sex, but um like, like you see a man who's like really struggling with just like maybe how far like, cuz a lot of this is his response to his personal grief and um it seems very much like the family doesn't really talk about the loss of the son um you know they, they seem to have these sort of like communication struggles and I think Diane Weiss has a line at some point it's like she you know she used to be jealous of how close Shaw and Ariel were in terms of like just how like how they used to share a lot of things about their lives, and the, the the brother's death kind of you know send everyone to their silos, and then you see you know the townspeople like overreacting to you know uh, an English English teacher proposing to teach Slaughterhouse Five, and it's like we should go to the library, and burn all the books, because that's where the ideas come from, and the Reverend's like whoa 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 like. <laughs> Yeah. that's like like i'm drawing the line of the dancing here guys and um if there's sort of like one sort of knit i have to pick it's like there's there's a scene where you see an end of a conversation like ren and and shaw like sit down like have a conversation and you know they've clearly been talking about you know ren's father leaving shaw's son dying and ren has has this line. It it's like, well, you know, if you could explain to me why my father left, maybe I could explain to you why your son died. And it seemed like they had this like really interesting, like sort of cultural cross generational exchange that you don't really get to see because after that, you know, um, Shaw kind of relents um, <laughs> and, and lets decides to let the dance happen or not to, you know, sort of stand in the way of the dance was happening. Cause uh, technically yeah. it was just on the other side of the tracks outside of town but um, I, I find that sort of I, again having never seen the repeat but it just it, it's something that it, it's phrased in a way I think that's really really hard that you you have to have two sides of thing and if Ren is representing one side that Sean has to represent the other and one of them has to be right and it's sort of in that scene you're sort of like well maybe both of them are right both of them are wrong in their way and I will say, like, this is like, yeah. um, it, it's a movie about dancing. It's a movie about about being young, but I mean, it also culminates as at a city council meeting, which
1: is <laughs> is kind of great. That's, that's right up your alley, right? I it's right man. up my that, that part where he really like, spoke to me. You're like, yes,
0: <laughs> it's like delegating. Yes, no. Uh, no it's 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 it, that that's I mean that's the, the takeaway for me it's like yeah everyone looks great the dancing's great the music's great but uh, this is like a story about people and uh, you know trying to wrap their head around these like complicated existential painful things and you know being confronted for, with the fact that you know there's no real simple answer to to this and also it's funny too like the like the, when <laughs> the dance starts and everyone's just like standing around looking at each other <laughs>
1: um
0: there's also a great montage of ren teaching um uh willard how to dance oh yeah which it's 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 played for fun and it's like it's it's played for earnestness um yeah. nobody's like making any you know you know kind of homophobic slurs at them it's just like it's just two guys like moving great and uh you know I I think that's I found that's probably maybe the thing that surprised me most revisiting this is like how little, like there's there's one line where Chuck, who's the the local, well let's call him idiot, like he drives around in a tr- tr- junk truck, and uh, like with antlers on it, and I'm like, is this guy supposed to be cool? Because that truck doesn't is not really you know that that truck is coded. I'm picking up roadkill on the side of the road, but um yeah. he, he calls. He calls also rent a pansy for like wearing a tie and that's like maybe as homophobic as it gets which like kind of surprised me for the time and the material yeah. which is you know the, the the big fight at the end is a dance fight like <laughs> there's, there's a scene where you know kevin bacon runs out and lifts off and kicks chuck in the face i was like that's it's not not bad move <laughs> it's no yeah
1: yeah, that was the era. You had uh, Michael Jackson with the dance fights and sure, beat it. yeah, so, yep. yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. It's how people uh, resolve their differences in the '80s through dance. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, no, it's 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 fun. It's fun like that. Um, and yeah, it's again, it it just you know, it kind of surprised me how this. I mean, you think about like sort of relics of the '80s and like the big '80s movies, and you think this is kind of like. Uh, footloose is one of them but you know it really does echo down to to where we are today and uh it really has something to say and it's still really worth hearing and and i think that's that may be one of the things that surprised me the most revisiting it
1: yeah and i, I looked at some of the reviews when it came out it got like i guess slightly positive reviews but pretty mm. mixed reviews and a lot of people mm. were saying oh it's just one big music video but i think I don't know, people from our generation, you know, we remember music mm. videos, so mm-hmm. yeah, I kind of pine for old music videos, so I don't, <laughs> don't mind watching, <laughs> you don't see a good music video anymore, so I, I don't mind seeing one big music video, and then, you know, a lot of younger people who never saw music videos, they, they, they like it too, it's like old cassette tapes or something, you know, mm. there's a novelty to it, so. Mm. Uh, well, what they call
0: a music yeah. video, I think, like, it's... Like like, there's a structure to it that's definitely musical. Like um like nobody's breaking out into song, they're breaking out into dance, nobody's breaking out into song, but like these pop songs are deployed in sort of like key sequences that sort of play like um like they would in a musical. Like the the whole tractor race or the the playing chicken with the tractors were like set to um Bonnie Tyler bonnie Tyler's song I, I need a hero and yeah. it just that's how it would play in the musical is that you know you would have Ren and chuck both like taking turns like singing in verse or you'd, like you'd have ariel and um you know the the girls singing along or, or something to that effect it just it plays very much in that regard um but it's it's a soundtrack it's not um it's not like the the cast members singing, you know, bursting into song, but he, you know that it does have that musical yeah. vibe to it. Um, I, I I understand where it's sort of like the the again, given the time, the music video dig is coming yeah. from. Huey but, Lewis in
1: the news, the, yeah. You know, those ones. Yeah. where they well, sometimes he's actually Huey Lewis is a bad example. He's always lip syncing in his videos, but yeah, um, <laughs> other videos that have like stories and stuff, right, from back then and.
0: Sure.
1: Yeah, but I I like it. I think it was it's good. It's fun. It's fun and it has a message, right? So sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think that, that resonates years later, and that's mm-hmm. what a lot of movies. Even though this was a hugely successful movie, probably at this stage, people watching it, it's it, you could call it a cult movie because you're watching Footloose, forty year old movie. Um, <laughs> it's part of a cult, and it becomes a cult because it's fun, and you can watch it on repeat viewings. Mm. So it's got a message, but it doesn't get bogged down in a message, but it's not just fluff too. So I think it, no, it's not fluff. No, it's, yeah,
0: it's got heart. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like, that's what's key is like, you know, Kevin Bacon doesn't come into town with a chip on his shoulder. Um, it, you know, the, 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 the various young people, even Chuck is like a jerk is kind of like easy to understand. And, um, again like just to have that like the the four main characters each of them sort of like they're incomplete they're they they have their their challenges they're kind of and you know the, the whole thing of the, the central romance of it with, you know ren and and ariel like they're not like star-crossed like it takes like obviously they're attracted to each other but it takes you know them a while to sort of like get on the same track that um you know he's not something that she can sort of like dangle in front of chuck as like the new thing in town and and you know he doesn't need you know the you know the, the the main girl in town to sort of justify his existence either it's just you know they they sort of find each other and yeah it's just it's it's got heart is what i'll say
1: definitely has heart and and it it sort of foreshadowed some movies that came just a couple years later i think like Characters Christian Slater played in a lot of like high school movies. Yeah, you know, like yeah, in Heather's, he's the outsider, and also especially like Pump Up the Volume, one that's yeah, I think sort of underrated, where he's he's just moving from the big city to the sort of smaller town. It's like Kevin Bacon's from Chicago moving to small town. Yeah, he can't fit in. Um, he's sort of wise to the world in, in ways mm-hmm. people from the small town aren't. Right. You know, um, but still, he's this massive outsider because they're like, look at him with suspicion. Right. Um, yeah.
0: They're the,
1: the,
0: I mean, not so much footloose. Like, uh, there's, there's not really a huge anti conformist bend in footloose as like sort of like when you're getting into heathers and, and pop up the volume, but you, it, it is sort of laying the, those, those tracks there. And it, it, it also speaks very much to the 80s where people are kind of going back to conformity, going back to conservatism, going back to religion. Um, There's definitely sort of a tone there. It's like whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, let's hold on a minute. Like, progressivism isn't all bad. Um, Even if it's sort of, even if you think it went off the rails in the sixties and seventies, you know, we we can still have, you know, dancing. We can still have music. We can still have rock and roll. Um, These aren't inherently bad things. And it's it's a call to sort of like moderate that that quick return to a like a more conservative past. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And things and, come, and and come full come full circle like you're <laughs> saying there's book burnings <laughs> and stuff now and that's I'm right. I'm sure somebody's canceling <laughs> school dances somewhere and mm-hmm. some remote community or some like rural community somewhere right. So I'm sure yeah.
0: somewhere in the United States in the last 5 years there's a young woman who went to prom in a tuxedo and somebody lost their mind so (laughs) it's (laughs) it's yeah it's it's a it's a crazy world we live in but um we're gonna take a break from that and travel even further back into the past to talk about maestro which uh is uh now uh set to perhaps lose some academy awards to oppenheimer but we'll maybe we'll (laughs) get into that You're listening to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio.
1: I'm attracted to a certain type. Listen, mm. you know, Lenny loves you. He really does. He's just a man, a horribly aging man who cannot just be wholly one thing. He's, he's uh, lost. I've always known who he is. He called me, you know. And? He wants us all to go to Fairfield together for two weeks. He sounded different. Felicia. No, I. Uh, let's not make excuses. He didn't fail me. It's Felicia. No, it's. It's my own arrogance.
0: Okay, that was a clip from Maestro. It's the new film from director Bradley Cooper, and it stars Carrie Mulligan, Bradley Cooper, Matt Bomer, Maya Hawk, Gideon Glick, Josh Hamilton, Michael Erie, and Sarah Silverman um casting is not this movie's issue great cast um bradley mm-hmm. cooper is not the movie's issue like either as like leonard bernstein um like i was amazed how he kind of like was able to disappear into leonard bernstein i don't know about you like it wasn't it wasn't just like oh, the yeah. makeup either like the well, way oh he... yeah
1: there's a big big deal about his nose beforehand yeah. aesthetic nose and everything. But it, it it i think it all worked there was nothing he, he looked looked like i mean you can see it after like in <laughs> biopic fashion, they show a clip at the end of
0: the, the real Leonard, Leonard
1: Bernstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah just like him.
0: Yeah, to to get to your point though, I think that was sort of the thing that struck me. It's like, didn't we stop like the straight up biopic after Walk Hard? Like, didn't that sufficiently so like deflate everybody's <laughs> eagerness to do like this multi decade musical biopic uh, about someone in the music business? But.
1: Um, or the yeah. Weird Al one that was really
0: the, good. The yeah Weird Al um, <laughs> released <laughs> Roku exclusive Weird Al. Uh,
1: yeah. I could page. never find it. I finally watched it like yeah, <laughs> it well, takes, like a month ago.
0: I do. I do have the Roku stick, so it was easy to find. Um, anyway, um, Maestro, uh, I think where I kind of get stuck is it's it like it's technically really really good. Um, uh, you know the Matthew Libatique cinematography is beautiful. It really captures a sense of era. Bradley Cooper is very talented at putting a scene together. He's a very good director. Um, yeah, I would expect him to be able to direct everyone to, to great performances, but in terms of like just putting the thing together, it's it's an impressive work. I just, at the end of the day, the thing that strikes, strikes me is this is supposed to be the story about this marriage leonard bernstein and uh his wife felicia i Mm -hmm. get the idea it's supposed to be kind of from her perspective but Mm -hmm. i get to the end of the movie i have no idea what her perspective is like i have no idea like what it was she got out of this marriage what she got out of this relationship um Mm -hmm. aside from her being the sort of dutiful wife it Mm -hmm. just it wasn't particularly clear and I wonder yeah, if, if Bradley lost the forest for the trees. If, if, or if, if I'm alone in sort of feeling that way.
1: No, that's a good point when you think about it. Um, I didn't think about that too much. So... <laughs> <laughs> I just thought... I just thought this was a brilliant, brilliant picture. Mm. And I just thought Bradley Cooper... Wow, like his directing acting everything is so on point and uh, i just thought thought it just works so well even though i'm a little averse to the biopic i'm like you like we've seen Mm. so many of them Mm -hmm. but it 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 has such flourishes to it it like opens Mm. of course it goes black and white to color which is a convention we've seen before but it opens like
0: yeah
1: yeah but it opens (laughs) it's it does open, I guess officially with him as an old man, and his wife has already died, and mm. he's re- saying he saw her ghost. He's reflecting on that very briefly, but then it goes back to that scene where he gets his first big break. you know, the conductor is sick at the mm. um, uh, New York Philharmonic and he he takes the takes the reins, takes the stage, and he's off and running and it's mm-hmm. I just love all the devices. Um, <laughs> reminds me like all that jazz from like 79 mm. with Roy Scheider mm-hmm. you know okay we're gonna describe this scene now through dance or you know the scene where he's like where he's courting Felicia played mm-hmm. by Carrie Mulligan, Mulligan mm-hmm. who's brilliant her and Bradley Cooper just I just thought were two of the best performances this year and playing off of each other but he's courting her and he then she's like well, they're having dinner with some friends, and the friends are like, Why don't you stick with serious music? What's with all this, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Broadway musical fluff you do? And she asks him about it. And instead of him sitting at a piano playing or something, it's like, Yeah. He takes her to like a theater space, and ha- people perform it, perform like on the town for her. And then he dresses in a sailor t- suit and performs yeah. it for her. And I just thought the movie was really alive. And yeah, like you make a good point probably about the, the, the character of Felicia. Like what did she get out of it? And I, I guess from a modern day perspective, you'd be like, like what did she get out of it? But I, I guess at the time she was like, you know, she was captivated mm. by this art, artistic talent. She had an art, artist soul as well. And yeah, maybe it was like, I want to have a family with him and, And I want to just be part of this, ride this wave, you know, and maybe from like a modern day perspective, that isn't like a a feminist way of looking at the world or anything. But Mm. I think it, it, but you can see how she is a strong character in it and how she Mm. gets fed up with what he's doing, (laughs) but she still has a love for him because you can see like during the courtship how they're like sort of falling in love in a way. And mm. they're both inspired by art and by creativity. And mm. unfortunately as things are starting to, when, when they start to have trouble in their relationship, you know, it's, mm. it's, you know, she has jealousy because not only is he having sexual relationships with other men, but he's like sharing more with them. Right right like there's that sort of heartbreaking scene where he's opening his opera and they're up in the in the box there and mm. he's sitting not only with his wife but with his like young much younger male lover yeah who's been part of this process of getting this opera staged and when it comes to the key moment and they're like in tears he holds his hand instead of her hand so yeah um i i think that's heartbreaking and there's great touches to it and it was it was one of those things like yeah i I, it's heartbreaking because you pick but like i don't know it just (laughs) overwhelmed me i really liked it
0: because like (laughs) mulligan really sells that moment that like that sort of sense of like you know Again, I, I you know, it, she sells the moment. She sells an emotionality of it. I'm not sure what that emotion is. Like, is it jealousy? Because she says very clearly, um, before they get married, like, I know that you know, you you have this other thing where you have to be with men as well, and that's okay because I'm, you know, I want to feel, you know, be with you, and it's never really quite. Explained like, sort of, what's made the difference, and you see this big fight that they have. and The fight is like, again, this is kind of like gets to the crest. The fight is brilliantly staged, like, it's the Macy's Thanksgiving Day. You see the balloons pass by in the windows, (laughs) like, yeah, that's the at the end where he's like bernstein's standing there alone, and you just see Snoopy gently float by the window. (laughs) Um. And of course that's like set up where he's like brings in the Snoopy doll. It was like in the hallway or something like who lets, who left Snoopy in the hallway. It's his day. Um, it, it just, it's sort of, it just left me wanting at times. It's like because I, I want, like I get his interior life. It's very good at focusing on her his interior life. We just don't really get into her interior life or like her passions of act. Like we hear all times, like she's, she's a working mom. She's working on other stuff. She's working on acting stuff, but we don't really get into that because it's yeah. the Lenny show. And well,
1: you could, it kind of shows the sacrifices, which, rightly or wrongly, she 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 went through, right? It, all you know. these sacrifices for the family and to sort of like boost his ego and to and she even mentions it during the fight, like, sure, you know, it's all about him, right? And then when they have their sort of separation, she goes back into the into acting, right? And yeah, she, and th- that's a really great creative scene. outlet for her, yeah. Yeah, because
0: you so, like she she's like so engaged in the process, and so you kind of get an idea of, like what she's been missing and what she's been asked to give up. But you know, I, I, we kind of get there's a scene right after that where she has lunch with the Sarah Silverman, who's Bernstein's sister, and I mean <laughs> this is it's a sort of the crux of the of the um, sort of the the dysfunction is that you know her confidant, even after she's like separated from her husband, is still her husband's sister. But um, you know she she it it's it's about her going back to Bernstein and like what he what she means to him, and not as much as about what he means to her. And I think that that that's just uh, there's an element of that's very very that's that's missing for me anyway. Um, that's not to say that Mulligan isn't playing things brilliantly. That I didn't get her emotion that she wasn't coming across, and and like and near the end with the cancer diagnosis. Boy, does she know how to play cancer well. I'm just I'm, uh, that mm-hmm. if if this wasn't a Lily Gladstone year or an Emma Stone year or wherever this Oscar yeah. <laughs> shakes out, like give, you know, give Carrie Mulligan the, the bronze or however that works. But um, it, just I I did feel like the film kind of abandons her because we we have this larger than life figure Bernstein. Maybe this is it is like you said, like of course he's going to take over. But Cooper yeah. seems to be very much saying like this is a story about her and them. And then he keeps kind of making finding ways to make it about Bernstein, which I'm not sure. Like it just he's coding the film one way and then he's making the film another way, which I'm not sure works exactly
1: yeah i think i i think it works like the the, like you can i think you can be critical of that i i would almost say like i saw the movie twice i saw it once in the theater and once on Mm. netflix and Mm. when i saw it first in the theater Mm. like the uh most powerful scene i've seen in any film this year Mm. was when uh bradley cooper is leonard bernstein Conducts and he does Mal- Mahler's Resurrection Symphony mm-hmm. in the Ellie Cathedral. Yeah, great. And scene. he's just so into it. And I was just enthralled. And, like, the, I think the scene, it, you know, there, there's a plot that led up to this, you know, mm-hmm. about his separation from Felicia. But the one thing I m- will say about that scene is like, if that's, I watched that scene without any context, mm. it would have been, it still would have been powerful because it's mm-hmm. just so thrilling. And I'd say it's definitely most powerful. And I've seen some powerful stuff this year. You know, you think of like um, past lives when they walk back from the Uber drop off or right. zone of interest, the whole end of that, I thought really <laughs> powerful or the Trinity test in Oppenheimer mm-hmm. or like, America Ferrera's uh, monologue and Barbie, they're all powerful, but this was most powerful because I was almost like in tears watching this, and it's just a man conducting an orchestra, yeah. and just the if you call it method acting, or wh- whatever you want to call it, just the commitment he gives. and it's it like he's capital really M conducting. method. yeah: <laughs> Yeah, he is so into it. and <laughs> and the the whole orchestra, they're all into it too. They're just all like on the edge of their seat, and you can tell they're having sort of like the time of their life, but also this emotional release. Mm. And so that scene. So when I saw that in the theater, I'm like, wow. And they could have almost ended the movie there. I felt like when I saw it in the theater, <laughs> that, and I thought that, you know, his wife, Felicia, had cancer. Carrie Mulligan does a great job with it, but maybe they could have hinted at that earlier or something, or, mm. you know, had some scenes or go out of chronological order just to get to that final scene, make that the final scene in the cathedral. But, there are
0: so many great scenes. Like yeah. you, you mentioned the one where you know, they're doing on the town and that is all yeah. score because what did Leonard Bernstein do for that? He wrote the score. And so you see like the, the the sailors they're they're doing the the main number which everybody knows even if you just know it from The Simpsons um, <laughs> it's you know and, you know you so you know the words, you know the moves um but you're seeing it in this whole new way and that that's like it's really brilliantly done. There's a scene after Felicia dies too where they're like packing up the the, the house and they all get into the car and leave and this this part really got to me is that the passenger seat is empty the three kids are, even though they're kind of all grown and uh, you know adults um they're the three of them are in the back and the passenger seat is empty when and when Lenny gets into the the driver's seat and that's that's such a punch that's such a like someone from this scenario is now missing and we're kind of like we're kind of symbolizing that um. There are a lot of really great, powerful, like that. Yeah, the August, like best six years anyone's ever invested in learning how to conduct. Like, <laughs> bravo, bravo, Bradley Cooper, you did it! And it, it get, like th- this whole thing's a testament to like Bradley Cooper just screaming at the top of his lungs. Somebody give me an Oscar for the love of God! I need. Yeah, a-
1: I guess you can look at it that way. But I think he was just really into making a really making a great work of art, and he's into it. And I mean, I'd like look, to he's see he him he do the occasion that's not a biopic next time or a, uh, like something that's just completely original. He's immensely talented. He's, really he's
0: immensely talented yeah. and he wrote the occasion because who were the two other guys who were connected to this? Martin Scorsese and Steven Spielberg. Like to and follow
1: up.
0: Yeah, and they like well yeah. or or they abandoned it to do other stuff or whatever, but yeah. like he's the guy who made it happen. So he's he's a monster of a talent. He doesn't need to scream this loud. Like you will get there, Bradley Cooper. I promise.
1: But in the meantime, scream. Yes. <laughs> I say scream. In the meantime, I say you've, you've yes. belted out. I seriously, I think that I, this is so good, and I really like the Star is Born. But this has just gone up another level. And it's I technically
0: think, better. Yes.
1: You know, there's some great directors who do some unusual things. I think like Mm. Jorgis with poor things, which I wasn't (laughs) a big fan of. But like, (laughs) I think like I like I think Bradley Cooper, if he came up, got some material like that or something, I think he could fly with it. I think he's got he's 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 got something there. And, you know, you know, I think he's easy to underestimate because he's been this good looking leading man for a while now. And
0: yeah, but, no, you know, I think like sure. Robert
1: Redford, you know, he yeah. ended up becoming one of the top directors, you know, and I think he, uh, Bradley Cooper can do it too. And his acting too. is So good. And I think I remember him saying he was, I think he's getting sick of acting. They did licorice pizza, mm. that crazy, <laughs> the crazy scenes in licorice yeah. pizza. Where he plays John Peters, the, the <laughs> maniacal producer who's, Dating Barbara Streisand, he's just a nut, and he's yeah. just going for it. And in this, I think he just he just goes for it, and he just immerses himself in the character. And you know, it 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 it's gonna have some trappings of being a biopic, you know, mm-hmm. that we've seen these. Um, but I think I think there was a lot of creativity to it, and yes, yeah, no, and for I sure. Think- I think, you know, like, sometimes there's messy relationships, you know? A lot of people, whether they're famous or not, are in relationships for a variety of different reasons. And, you know, there's women who've married gay men and men who've Mm. married gay women, and Mm. there's things that, you know, things happen, so it's like Mm-hmm. almost the fact that it's not really cut and dry that you don't really say, okay, she's with him for these three reasons or, you know, I don't think you need to, to have it, you know, that clearly defined. Um, I, I,
0: I kind of agree, but I, 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 at the same time, I think there's a scale to this too, um, to do it like over decades that I think, you know, Josh Singer co-wrote the script with Bradley Cooper and he's really, really good at, like, sort of point in time. Like, he wrote Spotlight, and that was, like, an eight-month period. And he did First Man, which was, like, the the space program. Um, he, what else did he The Post, which is, like, two and a half weeks in, you know, 1971. It just – there's a scale to this. Like, there, yes, there's a deeply personal story to this, but there's also, like, the huge over decades scale of this where, you know, Bradley Cooper's very – definitely trying to say, like – Leonard Bernstein is like really important to everybody. It's like, yes, but you're telling this <laughs> intimate story as, as well. And I think that's just where I get hung up. It's just that it, 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 this feels like we're trying to serve uh, a couple of different masters here. And that's nothing against like the creativity, as you were saying, the technical excellence, the, the good acting. It just, it, there, there's, there's something missing here. There, there's, there's something like a connector missing that, um, that just like could have sold me a bit more. But that again, that could be a me problem and not necessarily a movie problem. But
1: yeah, I it could be. I don't, I've read some of the reviews, it's mainly positive, but there's some people and like I don't, yeah, they're, I'm just, I'm not on the same wavelength as, yeah. you know, like, oh, there's something. I, I actually people, I think some of the critics are saying there's something missing from like Leonard Bernstein's perspective or something. Like, it's, I mean, could be, but, could be, but I don't, I think it's just. A lot of focus on his art, which is cool, because often mm-hmm. like films about artists don't even like focus on their art, right? It's just sure. like a yeah. personality piece. And then, well, he gets a score credit. <laughs> 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 it's all it's music all music by, by Leonard, Leonard Bernstein. That's good. That's good that it wasn't somebody else. Um, so. But yeah, I, I I just think it. I, I think is very powerful, has no shot in hell of winning anything at the Oscars, like you said. Yeah. Um, yeah. But shame. I would uh, you know, I would I really like uh, Killian Murphy in Oppenheimer, but I don't know Bradley Cooper. If I had to vote, I'd vote for Bradley Cooper. That's me. Mm. Um Carrie Mulligan, maybe maybe not, but I she would be in like you said, in the top three for me. Mm. For mm-hmm. and yeah, I think it's just I think it's just it's a phenomenal piece of work, really. I think, and it's up there for me. It's not my favorite of the year, but it's up there, like with Oppenheimer and some other great films that are like yeah. in my top ten. And I think it's just, yeah. I think uh, great job, Bradley Cooper. And I want him to keep shouting, <laughs> keep screaming, <laughs>
0: at the top of his lungs.
1: I want an Oscar. <laughs> just go for it. I think you should you know, do it in the middle of the ceremony. The grease, right? You
0: should, you should do it in the middle of the ceremony. I think you should pull a puffy, or no, that was a Kanye. Was not, that yeah. came up, and I was, I'm going to let you finish. But go full Kanye, maybe not full <laughs> Kanye. Um, yeah. Anyway, we'll have to we'll have to leave that there at full Kanye. Uh, that's it for this week's show. We hope you liked it. You can listen to our show again by downloading it every Friday from our website at endcreditsradioshow.com or on the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean or at your favorite podcast app like Apple, Google, TuneIn and Spotify. You can also listen to all of the music that we play on End Credits on Spotify. Just search for End Credits on CFRU to find that playlist. You can stay connected to us on the socials. At End Credits Radio Show on Facebook and End Credits Radio on Twitter. I will return tomorrow at five pm for news and politics and open source. as Guelph with Scotty Hertz. In the meantime, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson. Or you can check out my news and politics site at GuelphPolitico.ca, which only leaves Tim now, who's going to tell us where we can find him on the internet.
1: On the internet, uh, social media flash in the deadpan. I am on Letterbox as Flashy Tim. Just, <laughs> I went on, went on there. <laughs> I've picked, picked some movies, got a few lists on there. I haven't done a whole lot on there. And, um, yeah, I, I, before the break, I said I was working on a Seinfeld spec script, and I finished it. Oh, yeah? And, yeah, I'm probably going to share it on Reddit or something. I think there's like nice. a Seinfeld rights group there. It's called <laughs> the, the, the Diplomatic Immunity. I think it's funny. <laughs> And I uh, working on a collection of short stories. So to keep myself accountable, I'll keep talking about it on here until I actually um,
0: finish <laughs> it. <laughs> All right. Keeping Tim accountable is why end credits exist. And we will be back here on CFRU uh, 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. And that'll be every Wednesday at 3 p.m. for more episodes of the show. And until next week, we will see you then.